What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Tonight, I want to welcome back to the show, Johnny Enoch. He's a clinical hypnotherapist esoteric researcher and writer that has been researching extraterrestrial phenomenon and esoteric subjects for over 20 years. After witnessing a series of unexplainable events while growing up, his search for answers led him on adventures all over the world. His work demonstrates that we have been visited by advanced civilizations all throughout human history and that we are a hybrid species. Johnny, welcome back and how are you tonight? It's always good to be here. I'm, I'm doing great, just making the best out of the quarantine and, you know, uh, doing all those sort of activities that we all put off to be, be more productive. How about you? How have you been taking things? Oh, I have been uh, just extra productive. I've been working, working on the conference, doing extra shows, uh, just like you said, trying to make the best of everything, um, trying to uh, better myself in the process as well. Um, and I'm super excited to have you on right now. Um, we're going to go deep tonight and, uh, I hope the audience is prepared here. Uh, I, I wrote down a little introduction that I want to read, uh, just because of, uh, how profoundly the information that you presented kind of hit me. It resonated with me so much. So if you look back Thank you. at human history, uh, not only the history that we're taught through our false matrix education system, I'm talking about the, the real history that researchers like yourself uncover and reveal to the world. Um, it seems that humans have, as far back as we can tell, been being modified, manipulated, indoctrinated, and whatever this hidden hand is, it, it steers humanity in a desired direction whenever it wants. Uh, I believe that there have been many times throughout uh, history that us humans have actually awakened to their slavery, uh, realized their true power and potential, and these beings, whatever you want to call them, weren't happy with this at all and wiped out most of humanity through the massive cataclysms that we've seen throughout history and started this experiment over. Uh, now you fast forward to today, I believe that this year, 2020, these controllers, whoever they are, human, non-human, they're implementing something that has been planned for many years, I believe, decades or more, um, something to once again steer humanity in a desired direction. 
Um, and when you hear things like New World Order, One World Government, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, uh, these theories that, you know, myself and so many researchers have been talking about and warning and fearing for years, it appears to be unfolding right now. But I came across a few of your posts on Facebook and after reading them, they really got me thinking. Uh, in fact, the first night I read them, I couldn't sleep. Uh, <laughs> it really resonated with me that much. Um, it even brought back these strange visions uh, that, of the future that I used to have as a kid. Wow. Um, I used to have these strange visions of this dystopian future that it appears we're moving towards. Um, and I know tonight we have to be uh, extremely careful with how we discuss this, the wording we use, just so I don't get deplatformed. But, Absolutely. Johnny, um, give us just a brief synopsis of the information you have. Uh, but first, if possible, how did you come across this information, if you, if you could tell us? Well, Chris, I have a number of sources, uh, many sources I go through that I get briefings on. I also work with remote viewers. Uh, I work with people that are in extraordinary places. And so as a researcher, you know, I'm pulling from many different areas as well as using my own resources. So it's interesting what you said at the beginning. And I think that that's a great caveat to start off with is that this has been happening for a very long time on our planet. And what I mean by that is I've been, I've been trying to tell people that, from, as I've been told, that much of what happens on our planet right now, the changes that even what you're seeing right now, this never happened overnight. This was something that was planned for a very long time, and the directions for it came from about 3,000 light years away from here. And a lot of it gets trickled down into our power structures that way. And the reason is, is that if any of you have ever watched Star Trek, you'll be familiar with something known as the Prime Directive, where these folks, or non-human intelligence, they won't get involved with the development of a civilization like us. We're like a great zoological experiment. Essentially, they could watch us just like a television show. And so, they won't directly get involved with us, but let's just say that many groups are influencing us. And to give you guys sort of an example of that, we can go back into even our biblical stories. If you go back into the book of Genesis in the Bible, which is uh, written about the 4th and 6th centuries BCE, it's got events in there that are hundreds and thousands of years apart. It actually comes from the Sumerian and Numalish. It's a book that's it's rather fascinating. So we're talking Sumerian here, or Shemarian. When you go back into the beginning of the Bible, it's saying that there was these visitors that came to earth. And they were known as the Elohim. The Elohim is a plural. It doesn't say the all-encompassing God in there. It doesn't say that throughout there. It says the Elohim came here. And it said that when they visited the earth, they, they weren't creating it from scratch either uh, when they were visiting here. It's, it said essentially they were terraforming things and fixing it up uh, because a lot of Christians out there that read their Bible, they'll see it says that the earth was void and without form. But that comes from a term called tohu vavohu. And tohu vavohu is more correctly translated to waste and destruction. It says that they were recreating the earth. Uh, furthermore, it says that they were making man 
or when uh, they were making man or ish, they said they were making it in our image. What it was saying actually is that there already existed a, uh, a type of creature. We had, whether we want to talk about chimpanzees, um, apes, we want to talk about uh, primitive hominids, uh, when we can all go back into, uh, you know, Neanderthal, Denisovan, you know, we go back into Homo erectus and everything else like that. They were essentially giving an upgrade to man that was on earth, but they said, let's make him in our image. Moreover, in the Hebrew, when you look at this translation, it says they were creating ADM or Adam. This was a race of people, the Adam, the Adamic race. It was not just one person. So it's a very interesting thing that we see that there's a recreation after a cataclysm of destruction. Uh, it even says, as you go further in the Bible, it says in the days of Peleg, it says in Genesis that the continents were divided, that there was this great continental diffusion of culture. So we go in there and they create this new sort of hybrid. And as they're creating this hybrid and crossing it with their genetics and everything else like that, later on in Genesis 6-4, they basically say, this guy's going too far, too fast, you know, things are getting out of control. They limit the age from this, this new being that they created from living over 950 years old. They limit it to about 120 years. And they start giving certain rules too. They say, okay, who can you go and meet with and mix match with and, and everything else? Well, we know that humans have been having these meetings with off-world intelligence, sort of guiding humanity and giving us directions for a long time. And what I mean by that is that not only do we have the story of Ezekiel in the Bible, which you're, you're familiar with, where he's talking about encountering cylinders within cylinders. It says the rims were awesome and shiny with thousands of little blinking eyes or lights, we could say. But lapis lazuli, it says it lands. And uh, it says that he is ordered to come up and sit in the commander's chair or in the throne. Uh, he goes and takes a little cruise and he's measuring out certain outposts and places places that they're taking him. Well, the same story goes for Enoch. Uh, Enoch in the Bible, uh, we're told that he's given very specific instructions by these particular beings. He's taken off planet. He's shown three worlds. And when he's shown three worlds, he learns their language. Um, and of course, in the Enoch story, we see uh, there's a very particular story that leads up to something similar to what we're facing today. So what I'm getting at is that when we talk about uh, eugenics or calling a population and saying, okay, you have problems on earth because you guys aren't following instructions or we have a certain blueprint, uh, uh, essentially he is faced with a very interesting situation uh, because at certain times we've heard that there was problems on the earth uh, with us crossing genetics in certain areas where you know, we were told not to. Um, and this cre created, it says, an offspring of giants. It says in the book of Watchers 6, 7 through 8, it says that uh, there was also this group that was passing by the earth, who we could call them fallen angels, or we'll call them extraterrestrials, that they saw the women on earth. They found them very attractive. It says that they came down here when they were on a reconnaissance mission. They started laying with them, and they, their chromosome matching didn't work, and they were producing these offspring of giants also. Uh, that we call the Nephilim and everything else like that. So what they started doing back then is it said these extraterrestrials or these groups that were there, they created cataclysms or a flood, it says, on the earth to sort of clean up the problem. Uh, of course, we've seen all kinds of plagues and, and things that have taken place in different times of history and different times when these beings stepped in uh, to sort of 
work with us. So I would say that this has been going on for a long time. And and Chris, have you ever have you ever familiarized yourself with much of the Vedas, the Vedantic stories of India? I'm I'm vaguely familiar, not uh, not really. I haven't really done much research into it. Well, when you look at the Vedantic stories of India, we go from the, the Ramayana, the Mahabharata, and the Samarangana Sutradhara, uh, and those, those stories that you get uh, that are, you know, even the versions that are brought back into the Bhagavad Gita and everything. There's a story that we get in the Mahabharata, in book five of the Mahabharata, when we're talking about Arjuna, who is ascending to heaven, and it's the, almost identical to the Enoch story, where he is taken up and shown three worlds. We're told about that there was a war, which was very quite possibly took place on Mars or one of those places. And you see that there's these things that took place up in, up in space and various directions on Earth. So again, this has been trickled down and passed down to us in many uh, different places. And I believe that over the years, you know, uh, you know, what we see from our extraterrestrial contactees and people who have been abductees, they've always talked about their interactions, let's say, with the greys, for example, that the greys are uh, a very advanced race, and there's all different types of what we call the greys, uh, from the short, typical descriptions of what people think of Zeta Reticuli greys to taller sort of greys and Orion greys and everything else that you get described like that. Uh, and then there's some thought that some of them uh, might be some form of uh, uh, an artificial intelligence as well. But at the same time, these particular greys lost their ability to have a reproductive system. They lost their ability in certain genetic experiments that they had done on themselves at some point. And that's why many people believe that they've been coming back to Earth to examine women and also men for that matter and do in artificial insemination, fertility experiments and everything else. So I believe that some of what we're seeing now at this very particular point of intersectionality is that we are in this close point of evolution. Uh, and I think that's really interesting what we're starting to witness. Now, before we get into some of the things that are occurring right now, um, when we talk about these these beings, those that were once considered gods, um, they were said to be able to live possibly thousands of years. Um, as yes. an example, uh, from the Sumerian mythos, uh, Enlil, Enki, uh, right. Anu, as, as that is an example, do you think beings like that uh, are still around and pulling strings right now? Yes, I do. Uh, and those beings, I mean, I was just talking to my friend Daniel Brinkley the other day about many of these things, and he was talking to me about reminding me that essentially Enlil and Anki is the same kind of story you see with Romulus and Remus from uh, when you go back into Rome or any of these uh, brotherly stories that come out, these sibling rival uh, rivalry that we hear about through these ancient texts. These folks have been with us for a very long time. We look like them because we are them. We have their genetics. We uh, have been interacted with these folks for a very long time, and we see, we see that. But how it works is like this, is that many groups in the world um, are being influenced from out there, but most of the guys that you see on the world stage, they aren't really the one in charge. So you might see some sort of technocrat or some sort of billionaire uh, 
genius, computer genius that has all these sort of innovative areas, or even some sort of uh, guy that's pulling the strings in a certain political party, and you might think that he's the one in charge. And I would remind people of a principle from the Tao, the name that can be named is not the nameless name or the ineffable name. So anybody who you see that's out in the front stage, or even these um, families that people like to point fingers at in the world, these folks might have had some interactions at some point. They may have sat at the table across from the table across from the table from the people that are having the dialogue that is about 3,000 light years away from here. But I can assure you that we are under very close particular um, scrutiny and, and we are being influenced by many different groups. Okay, so let's start taking a look at what's going on right now. Um, I guess a good place to start would be the virus itself. Okay. Um, in based on the information that you've received, uh, is this a natural occurrence? Is this something that came from bat soup? <laughs> uh, absolutely not a natural occurrence. And the more we move forward with this dialogue, the more we're going to learn about that. So first of all, you could say that this has been in the works for over 40 years. It's been planned for, it's been put together, it's been very carefully care, very carefully designed and developed, and uh, it's not something that happened overnight. And you can kind of look at this from another perspective. Let's just, let's just take a step back for a moment. So we see stuff over the years, uh, like we look at Ebola. The problem with Ebola is that Ebola was hemorrhaging too quickly. It killed people very fast. Uh, you take things like SARS, uh, when you move into SARS, SARS didn't move fast enough. It, it wasn't, didn't have the airborne factor. But when you take this particular virus, it's not a regular corona because coronaviruses are very common. They're, they're, they're found all over the place. Most viruses, in fact, which as most people can tell you, they become active in your, uh, they need a host to become active. The, the one thing with this is that most things out there, we've had a couple million years for our immune systems to adapt. But this thing, and this is what your leaders have actually been told, the earlier researchers gave it away before this has been censored, that on the outside of this thing, the outside of this thing uh, we know is quite large. It's uh, 90 to 100 nanometers thick, okay? So it's, it's very heavy, actually, and when it falls in, uh, in certain places, it, it dies out in ultraviolet light or the sun and under uh, certain heat conditions. Uh, it's got a lot going on under the hood. That's why it's, it's such a heavy sucker. It's not regular. So when you look at this thing, it's brilliant how it's been designed. Uh, the outer shell of it is untouched. If this was a naturally mutated virus from nature, it wouldn't have a perfect SARS-2 outer shell, which the earlier researchers uh, indicated. And when I explain this to you guys, I, I'm speaking with the caveat that I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a virologist or biologist. I'm a researcher. So I'm sharing with you what I've been told, what uh, I've been briefed on. Um, when you look at the outside of this thing, it's composed of what you call glycoproteins. And there's, when we look at these things, it has uh, bacteriophages. And uh, these bacteriophages were, uh, they're essentially the antithesis for life. Uh, you can find uh, millions of these out in, in seawater that are getting, that are cleaning up the, the oceans and killing away things. And when you look at um, 
microbacterias and everything like that. It's a fascinating little world. Uh, so with these particular bacteriophages that are around the end of this thing, it's in perfectly intact SARS-2, okay? So when they created it, they used synthetic biology. And we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight with uh, stuff like CRISPR on how you could use computer modeling and use a sugar carrier so you could sort of splice these things together, which it has been. It's been very cleverly put together. So on the outside, again, you have SARS-2. It's been spliced together with an HIV carrier. And this does a number of different things. Um, you know, we've learned so much about this recently in the news that not only can this thing uh, attack your T cells, creating a lot of problems for some people, um, you know, you've heard of people having oxygen issues within the uh, hemoglobins in their uh, red blood cells um, being depleted, causing something called a cytokine storm, uh, you know, causing different effects for different people immunologically. But the really brilliant thing about this is it's like an operating system. It literally rewrites itself into your RNA. It's in the human genome. Okay. And I'm going to come back to that in just a second, why that's important. But also so that it will travel faster, it's had spliced onto the end of it a fungus. And this fungus is very important that it's there because that makes it more airborne so that it's like tuberculosis and it moves very quickly. And some people earlier on, we had reports that through their, uh, their AC2 uh, enzyme receptors uh, in the lung, that if they had more of those, and certain people had certain genetic factors where it was even spreading even quicker, which is very interesting. Um, but bringing it back to the RNA factor, why this is really interesting and why some of our immunological solutions that we're suggesting coming up, uh, what, what scientists and folks like that have been saying that, you know, even uh, a vaccine for this thing will be an RNA vaccine. Why is that very interesting? Because your RNA... Um, if we just break down DNA for a second, is, is a rather fascinating thing. Uh, DNA is deoxyribonucleic acid. Uh, you, you know, you have these 64 codons, uh, and, and DNA is, is a rather fascinating complex stuff. It has RNA over here, ribonucleic acid, that is exchanging proteins and amino acids. So essentially, um, when we look at your cells and, and your cellular structure, this is uh, a very, very interesting thing because these are the building blocks of life. It's like your um, antenna of life. Well, if you look at it. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Of the, the RNA, I'm just going to show you guys a picture of this with the double helixes. In your RNA, you have these four things, these uh, nitrogenous bases. Can you see this? 
Yes, yes. So over here in these four, you have adenine, guanine, thymine, uh, and cytosine. And with these, in these particular area, there's four of them there. Now, why that's interesting with the four is that this is just like binary uh, in a computer. You know, you have one, zero, zero, one. And with binary, uh, you know, it's a programming language. You can reprogram it. So think about what we're saying here, that when we look at this thing now being in the human genome, which it's spreading very quickly, and it's uh, rewriting itself, we essentially uh, have the means now to look at this as a, not only an operating system that we can run software on, and the software would be bacteria-based, just like what you do with CRISPR, so you can turn off different genomic expression, which we'll talk about in just a moment, but you essentially could have a very effective hybridization program, which is fascinating. Uh, you, you mentioned turning off uh, certain genomic um, I'm not even sure what you said there. Uh, okay, so what say? I'm saying is that, okay, so let's talk about that for a little bit. Let's talk about some theoretical hypotheses, uh, ideas here. So let's just say that I believe that there is more than one reason uh, for this coming out right now at this time. It's been very, very cleverly put together, uh, the groups that have put this together, and uh, of course, when we go deeper down the rabbit hole, we'll, we'll get into that. But there's more than one reason what this thing was created for and, and how it can be used uh, now, as we look at it from, from these la layers. Get to that, I have, I have a quick thing that I want to address uh, for, it's, it's, it's for the audience, really. I want to address a certain theory that's been going around. Um, it's, it's viral right now. It's um, the theory, I'm not even going to say it, that a certain millimeter wave that uh, is used for cell phone technology is uh, actually the culprit here. Right. Right. Okay, so before then we answer what I was originally going to talk about, the fact of what the uh, changes in the human genome could be and how this is a, a hybridization program. We'll talk about that. We'll address this certain cell phone wave and we, we absolutely cannot discuss the name of it because the video would be deleted immediately right. because the sensors. Uh, but again, I, I think that a lot of that right now, why there's so much censorship in that particular area is because uh, most certainly those folks that have stakes in these companies and whatnot, they do not want that property being destroyed in their investments. That's a very complicated issue. Um, okay, so the one that is this, this number, um, this particular number that we're talking about, uh, the, the reason people have so many worries and concerns about that, I guess, is that if you, if you look at the various spectrums we have, uh, we have stuff like uh, you can go into megahertz, gigahertz, you know, kilohertz. We haven't even gone into a lot of those and even explored them as far as we can go, or even tetrahertz. Um, right now, we're moving into microwave. We're going into microwave emission, even though it's at a very lower, very much a lower wattage. Now, Although there are health concerns in any of these bands and frequencies, and there are, you know, various, various issues with radiation, for certain, I can, I can tell you that that, that that is a true concern. It isn't going to kill us, and it isn't responsible necessarily for what you're seeing here with this. And I have had um, in-depth discussions on the people I go to for my sources about this, and they have told me the same thing. So essentially, when we go back to 1903, Chris, in 1903, we were very concerned 
about people that were going 30 miles per hour in the automobile or a locomotive with inertia. We are worried about spontaneous combustion, that they were just going to burst into flames. Human beings are very resilient and we will get through those things. But since you asked me that, I will tell you this, that I have been told that it's a, uh, a way to mutate this thing faster because this thing is very mutagenetic. And that's part of the strategy when you're looking at this thing. Because it is very mutagenetic, uh, you would need a specialized version of the 9G. So 9G would be used at those particular levels and it would have to be directed in a very particular way. Now, there, has been, there have been security issues before with this, especially with... Um, foreign countries that might be placing these things out here. And part of the security reasons, let's say with someone like um, uh, the states being very concerned with places like Huawei, is that there are issues out there uh, with psychotronic weapons and stuff like that in various ways that those could be manipulated. But in this particular cause, I, I want to say that fi the, the one that we were talking about, that will be gone very quickly and it will be replaced by six and seven and, and so on and so forth until we get to quantum. You mentioned 9G. What, what is, yes. is that that's something that's implemented now? Uh, well, you could say that there, there could be forces in, the work to, uh, forces in the world that may have means to use stuff like that to to help this thing along to evolve it. Uh, to sort of like, sort of like if you stick, you, you start microwaving something, it starts to change, it starts to mutate, right? Um, so it takes a little bit stronger of an effort, let's just say, to achieve those results. All right, so well, let's get back to some of their reasoning for, for doing this. Um, where should we start with that? Okay, well, I gotta be careful what I say here, but there, for a number of years, people have been aware of sort of this chit-chat in the banker world that there was going to be three, three crashes, three crashes that were going to be very significant. One of those crashes was going to happen around 2008, and uh, we know that did happen. And that crash was, uh, you know, involved like a recession, and it sort of gutted things out and helped things along to where they are. Now, the next crash would be in 2020. Uh, and I was told uh, that that crash was going to make the tea pot, the, sorry, let me just back that up. That crash was going to make the Great Depression look like a tea party. And uh, the reason for that crash was to bring about a new type of currency, uh, a new system that would sort of eliminate the old ones and, and change things. Now, there was going to be one more crash a few years later after that crash. And when that crash takes place, that one's just a smaller one that will balance things out a little bit, but there won't be another crash after that. Uh, now, I want to speak again with the caveat that I believe that there are big happy changes coming in the future. It's not all doom and gloom, but right now, what we're going to see is there are going to be some growing pains. There are going to be some challenging things. And I, I, hope that, I hope that I'm wrong today, and I hope that you know we can all go back uh, go back to the regular reality after we Netflix and chill for a couple of weeks, but something tells me that these sources are correct and that we are going down this path. And I don't see it as a negative. I just think that we're taking big steps. And, and again, Chris, the reason I think for that is that how many times have, have all of you, and I'm talking to you right now, that's watching this, sitting at home, that's sitting in front of YouTube, that's watching this or, or however you're getting this. How many of you have looked around the world and said, well, we got these smartphones. We got, 
all these fancy pieces of technology. We got Tesla cars and, uh, you know, we're making all these inroads, but we see so much inequality in the world. We see violence. We see uh, anger. We see greed. We see all this stuff taking place. And we wish that it was different. Well, we need or needed a gigantic jumpstart. And uh, of course, there just happened to already be pre-existing power structures on our planet that were ready to uh, fulfill their own needs, their own machinations, that they, they are in existence, but they're also feeding the monster so they feel they're the last ones eaten. But what if they are just the, the, the tool for our collective consciousness and evolution to fulfill these things at the time being? So there are great inroads and steps being taken ahead. So I would say rather than us uh, you know, reacting in this fear-based, terrible way, that if we take this in a very positive stride, that we will see good things that will evolve from it all. Well, that being said, you know, um, right now, it's, it's just seeming like um, we're headed towards this, you know, lockdown dystopia where everything's censored, uh, mandatory vaccinations, mandatory that um, we're going to have travel restrictions, um, constant surveillance. Um, it's just the direction that it appears to be going. And when you say good things are coming. I know we're going to get to that in the end. Um, you also mentioned something about a eugenics program, that, that this is somewhat yes. of a eugenics program. I'd like you to explain a little bit about that. Okay, so I'm glad you brought that up. So yeah, most certainly we see that there is a great unfolding of something that this is, it's very clever how this has been used. And um, we will come back to the financial component of this because that's part of the, the new civilization that's being rolled out very, very quickly and, and will be here. And it's, it's tied to this and how it works. But eugenics is also a big part of it. And there's a philosophy uh, that many hold that this earth is overpopulated. And so I want to I introduce some ideas to some of the folks watching this and maybe some of you watching this, this is going to be totally out there for you, something you have never heard before. But I mean, how many times have you seen or heard people that you admire, great intellectuals on the world stage and those folks on that inside circle say that there's too many people on the planet, that it's too overpopulated? What if I were to tell you that there may or may not be a hidden groups on our planet that hold ancient religious views? And uh, these groups hold certain religious views that there are folks that have a superior evolution and in intelligence and that there's a lot of um, ones on the planet that are kind of taking up space, let's just say, in their view. And this view goes back a long way that let's just say it's sort of an ancient religious point of view. And what I'm talking about is that um, maybe some of you are familiar with uh, a certain club that uses this symbol that is over at a certain Ivy League university. Uh, let's just say that this uh, particular university, we'll say, is Yale. Uh, but on the bottom of this particular symbol that they use on their door is 322. Now, a lot of people don't know what this means. Now, I'm not singling them out because this, uh, what I call the 322 philosophy is very ancient and a lot, it's, it's actually used by a lot of different groups and it has different meanings to it. So uh, I'm not pointing fingers just at them. So what the 322 comes from, there's a lot of different symbolism that's attached to that. People can say, well, the three and the two, two looks like a skull and a crossbones. 
But the three and the two, two comes from Genesis 3.22 in the Bible. If you flip that open, it's basically talking about partaking in immortality, partaking in this, this new life of, uh, of, of everlasting knowledge and being the gardeners of humanity, uh, of having to sort of look over the planet and to, to see that they are the ones that have inherited this great, um, these, this great sort of unfolding of knowledge and uh, superiority. So when you see where this number comes from, then we start to see the pattern of it in the world. Uh, Chris, have you ever heard of what we call the Georgia Guidestones before? Have you yes, ever seen those? Of course, yes. So many people have looked at the Georgia Guidestones and they have been, you know, really wowed by them. They say, well, where do they come from? They're absolutely amazing. They're a calendar system. They're a clock. They have eight languages on them, one of those languages being Egyptian. But uh, nobody has ever been able to pinpoint where they come from. Well, you get greater clues to where they come from if you look the, at the date that they were raised. They were raised on March 22nd, 1980. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, then why is that important? 3-22-1980. That's 40 years ago. And we break that down into a quad. Well, quad equals quarantine. So what happened on March 22nd, 2020? That was the major date when London, the, the major banking city of the world and those areas across Europe, the quarantine was rolled out on March 22nd, 2020. Dates are very, very important in ritual and in um, the symbolism when we start to see it, okay? So moreover, uh, we start to see other interesting connections. I mean, people have geeked out. They've said the stuff like CV19. Well, C is the letter three. V is the letter, uh, the number 22. So there's some very interesting connections in those so the particular. So 666, the, the COVID is equals six. And then um, when you add up the other numbers, it's, it comes out to 666. Well, yeah. And uh, not to jump ahead of our conversation, but if you look at uh, Microsoft's new patent for their new uh, you know, blockchain, uh, body implantable, trackable uh, system that they have. The patent number is 060606, and that was published on March 26, 2020, which is very interesting. Now, what's also very interesting to me, I see in the symbolism that these ancient religions have, and uh, it just is what it is. We've always had these groups in the world that follow certain beliefs and and ideas. There's, there's a certain God that goes along with these groups. And this particular God is uh, an ancient Canaanite deity, an ancient demon Canaanite deity. And um, this uh, particular being is known as Moloch. Now, Moloch, of course, we've seen pictures of and people have made connect, very famous connections over to Bohemian Grove. You know, there's been a connection to Moloch, even on a, uh, a famous island that... Uh, uh, there was someone in the news not too long ago that had uh, sort of sex tourism there with all sorts of important people coming there. Moloch uh, may have been on top of that particular temple there. But last year, very curiously, we saw that Moloch was uh, erected right in front of none other than the uh, Roman Colosseum outside of the Vatican. And you notice that Moloch had the chains put on him, right? Well, 
very interestingly enough, uh, the week that Moloch was taken off his change after March 22nd, all the way up into March 29th when he was removed out of there, so he was unchained, that's very, very symbolic. And why is that symbolic? Because Moloch operates in the night and he is the bringer of plagues. So here is the bringer of plagues. So there is also an ancient religious view that this is a cleansing that is taking place and uh, where that is going, which is very, very fascinating. So it is, uh, it's got more than one layer to it in, in its particular area. So um, bringing it forward, we mentioned that there is a eugenics aspect. So if there is a eugenics aspect that the world is thought to be uh, overpopulated, I have heard that, that the main, uh, one of the main aspects of this is that there is a calling. And it's basically something that attaches as, and it will continue to evolve with certain genetic mutations. It, it goes into the immunologically um, defenseless folks on the planet um, it could also even attach to uh, eventually into certain genetic groupings and uh, evolve in certain ways like that, which is a very interesting aspect of it, how it's been created. But it also has a very clever means of causing an economic disruption. And you see, when we see an economic disruption like that, what you can do is that if you could adequately shut down economies. You can shut them down one at a time. What you can do uh, as you're flattening the curve, of course, that's what you want to do. You want to shut down every aspect of it, uh, is that what happens then is that you would roll out a whole new system. And after the IMF starts coming down, uh, one after the other, after countries have been very generous of allowing you to go a long time without paying mortgages, and you'll get news that you'll be able to write off you know, lots of debt, you'll be introduced to a permanent stimulus check. That's not, it's not just a temporary thing. It will be permanent. It's going to be called universal basic income, and it will be increased to about $2,500 a month. Um, what you would do at that particular time is that you would need to introduce a new form of currency for the planet. So what we have to do to look at this is that we go back to around 1974, 75, those sort of time periods, we see that charge cards were first introduced into Australia. When they were first introduced into Australia, um, there was a look at it, it was a small, stable economy. A lot of testing gets rolled out into Australia and New Zealand. They rolled out charge cards into those particular areas. Now, uh, Ike has very famously come out and said that there was some sort of a, um, a conspiracy with fellows associated with a secret society out there that were all helping each other get charge cards. It had not so much to do with a secret society, but rather just uh, businessmen in general when that first came out that they were very generous with helping themselves, uh, writing everything off and buying whatever they wanted, houses and cars and stuff like that. They didn't care. They were just charging it all up. Well, the same was true with Bitcoin. Bitcoin was developed out in Australia, uh, and there was a, a hidden hand, uh, an intelligence factor of when that was developed, and it was pushed and pulled in every direction. People got into Litecoin, Ethereum. You had that one friend. Everybody knows that one guy, Chris. He's like the crypto guy that calls you and goes, oh, my God, dude, you got to get some Bitcoin. It's going to go crazy, and the next morning you wake up, and the BitWallet or whatever it is is absolutely zonked out. Well, that was a test run. So what they were doing is they were developing blockchain technology that was like this anonymous peer-to-peer -peer system that worked very similar to cash, but it could be rolled out very meticulously. Now, you will see in the very near future that that will be the next strategy. You're going to have an international digital 
currency because part of this that's a really wonderful uh, excuse that they can use is you can say, well, cash is covered in viruses. They're already saying that. We don't want to take that. Um, we use charge cards. Um, you will find that with this system, what will happen in uh, pretty much a giant rollout, uh, let's just say, what if this happens, uh, so we can speak uh, hypothetically, is that you will find that all your accounts are automatically transferred over to this new system. You'll wake up one day and you'll, you'll still have your same debit card, you'll still have your same Visa, you'll still have your same MasterCard, but it will be transferred over. And ultimately, the goal is here is, uh, of course, to uh, bring this into a system where we can eliminate those altogether and we would use a, uh, not even so much as an RFID chip, that's really old school. Um, RFID, you know, a lot of people are afraid of getting that sort of an implant. What you're going to find is that we're talking more transdermal tattoos right now. And transdermal tattoos, you get them replaced every six months to a year. And the, the way that you would work with that, you would take this, is that you wouldn't introduce it right off the bat for those reasons uh, for financial purposes, but eventually it will become a complete identification system as well as your health records. And as soon as babies and children are being born, they'll say, oh, you have to have these. This is going to mandate where you're at as far as your immunization. So fast forward this a little bit here, not to get too ahead of us because you mentioned this, Chris. The next step is is that when we start to see this being as a hybridization geneticist program of where we're going with this, is that what we want to cleverly do with this particular thing, if you look at it from this outside perspective, is that if you had a hybridization program where we are making changes uh, to the human genome, what you would want to do is you would want to mandate it with a constant threat in the world that is continually taking place where you needed to have something they were keeping track of. And right now we will have immunization passports. We will have, um, you know, for now basic testing and scanning in this hyper freaked out paranoid society as they continue to need certain immunizations for certain areas. Now, if this thing is mutating in certain particular ways for certain um geographically specific areas where we've already started to hear terms like herd immunity, what will happen eventually is that you're going to have um, three types of clearances on your immunity passports that you'll have. So you'll have one basic one, let's just call that zone A, that you would use for your local populations and areas uh, that you would go to even go to the store to buy milk. It will be attached to your identification, your banking and everything else like that. And then if you're someone a little bit more important, you'd have a zone A and B, uh, and someone really important, you'd have uh, zone A, B, and C, which will contain multiple immunities into these particular areas if you're a business person or you need to go to very far out geographically specific places. All the while, as this is rolling out, there are particular changes being made. So let's talk about those changes and what they would be. Well, we're already getting reports from people that there's sterility and infertility in men uh, that have these particular um, symptoms that they've gone through and after, and, after uh, uh, catching the uh, virus right and, and I mean we've already had people talk about very interesting things they tell us if you've lost your smell and taste for example that that's a case that's a clear well, the other day where someone's skin color changed Absolutely. Skin color changing, breaking out into hives. There can be various dermatological effects, various things in what we call the cytokine storm. Uh, there's a lot of different factors that come in. It, it affects everybody very much differently. 
So uh, within this particular thing, they say if people lose their smell and taste, for example, that this is a sign that they're going to get over it very quickly, that they're going to have what we call a mild case. And I think it's really fascinating that people that have certain O blood types and uh, certain uh, the other blood type is AB+, they have the right amount of antigens. The right amount of antigens in their body that makes it so that they don't get hit with it as hard, but there are some people that know after a number of days of how hard this is going to hit them. And it is a very real thing. I mean, for people out there, some people believe that it doesn't actually exist. Um, I get that. You know, the epigenetics uh, philosophies and theories and uh, saying that it's just a part of an augmented reality kind of thing. Um, I understand that. And yes, there are certain aspects of reality that we give purpose to, but I, I want to say for all intents and purposes, this is something that is a, um, it is a real, it is a real thing that we know is affecting people. Uh, so essentially, if you have sterility and infertility being a feature already, that's an indicator that First of all, we're moving in a direction, let's say, that we talked about the grays. This is how a very advanced extraterrestrial civilization would move in. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And what I mean by that is imagine a world where there were no more accidental pregnancies, no more abortions, no more condoms, no more birth control pills. Uh, imagine a world where you had to apply uh, to your government to have a child or plan your family where you'd go into a geneticist or an artificial insemination clinic where you would map out the eye color, the hair color, um, what a child looks like, and you would eliminate disease. So that's, that's number one. But number two, we know there's a lot of people in the world that are exhibiting features of, let's say, psychopathy. So they enjoy inflicting pain and suffering on other people. And they are, have these recessive gene traits that maybe they inherited from some sort of primate reptilian sort of area of the brain and body where they're like a Neanderthal, Homo erectus sort of folks that uh, hunter-gatherer that they are out doing random acts of violence, um, killing, uh, fanatical behaviors. We know that there are certain genomic expressions in the genes that we can use certain bacterias and things like that where they've ex ex shown us in CRISPR-9 when you can edit genes through, uh, through this process where you can just turn those things off. So imagine a giant hybridization program. That's why I'm, I'm going to lay it out here that from what it appears to be is that this is a decade-long uh, program and I've been told by my sources that this is here to stay for the decade. It will it will come through for the next ten years and the last final change, the last final hurrah of it will be in 2030 when the hybridization program will be complete. But every year there'll be um, you know several rollouts of this and for very specific reasons. In that time period, 
I've been told that the statistical projections for this thing could be that the population of, let's say, the U.S. goes down from 300 million to 100 million. The population statistics are places like Canada would go down from 38 million to 25 million. Um, these are things that I, I don't know, you know, for certain if we will go down that path or what will happen, but these are just things I've been told uh, based on statistical projections. Now, something else we need to touch on before we get to uh, the timeline that you had is the uh, imminent vaccinations. Um, we have Bill Gates everywhere touting that we can't open up. Uh, we can't do anything until everybody's vaccinated. But something I'm seeing is people are waking up and they are not going for it. Uh, they had the the video with Ellen DeGeneres uh, interviewing him that had to get pulled because of extremely negative comments towards Bill Gates. Um, it just uh, seems like his 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 ploy is being seen through by a lot of people right now. A lot of people are waking up to this. I'm just wondering how the implementation of this vaccine would go. Well, I would say that there's going to be a number of different places trying to develop these, uh, you know, immunizations and, and where we're going to go for it. There's definitely various organizations dictating out where we're headed. And our governments have been, you know, in a, pl a place of shock. They don't know how to react to this. How I was explained to it by my sources is, how can we put this? The world doesn't work the way we think it does. Uh, and for example, even China's involvement with this and how it started there, it isn't what we think it is. So most of us out there, most of you watching, if I were to tell you about China, you would probably tell me right away, well, China's a country. Well, I've been told before that China is not a country. Canada is a country. It's been around for 150 years. The United States has been around since 1776. England since 1066. China is a civilization. And it has been running continuously for at least 6,000 years since the time of the Egyptians. So it doesn't work exactly the way that we think it works. And just what if, I'm going to make just a big what if, what if that we think that there is this big tension between China and Taiwan? What if there's a very small family or very small groups of families that let's just say maybe live in the, the mountains in those particular areas, the Taiwanese mountains or some, some area like that, that what if they're actually running the same show from behind the scenes? Or what if there's very small groups on this planet that are working together and they control the flow of things on our planet that we don't realize? And just what if, here's, here's just a wild, crazy prediction. What if China was just, let's say, happened to raid Taiwan at the end of this month and envelop them and had a greater presence. And everybody thought, oh, that's, you know, they, they had gone into there and taken them over. Well, what if it was the same show the whole time? I just think it's really interesting that before this whole thing took off, uh, before this whole emergency took off in the world, that there was green companies from China that came in to uh, uh, Canada, America, Australia, these places, and spent millions of dollars buying up all the N95 masks, medical supplies, and everything just before this thing started to roll out. And there wasn't a problem with it. Let's just go right ahead. Total capitulation. Now, the interesting thing is you mentioned these vaccinations. Vaccinations are going to change. 
They're going to become more user-friendly. They're going to develop into nasal sprays, patches, everything else like that. Their user functionality is going to change. Um, but at the same point, um, they're one of those things that I, I'm not a big fan of taking the first of anything. Uh, most certainly, I remember when uh, our friend Bill was first releasing Windows 95. I mean, he went up onto the stage at some of the computer shows, and it was having the blue screen of death and dying up on the screen before everyone was trying to think. I mean, Windows 95 was one of the, you know, buggiest operating systems I've ever run in my life. And uh, so I wouldn't take the first of anything personally, but um, we are moving into a world where we're being admonished from using natural things. We know that um, traditionally a person that was keeping a healthy immune would use things like vitamin C, vitamin D3, and zinc, uh, and a number of uh, other things like probiotics to keep a very well-balanced immune. And now we're being told not to do that. We're being told that any pharmacological invention, interventions that are being suggested by the POTUS, for example, are now being uh, discouraged against and they're being, um, you know, destroyed in the news. So we're moving into a society, whether we like it or not, where that will be uh, the politics of the day. Before, when you used to travel, we would have all sorts of problems when you travel because they would say you have more delays and more lineups because there was the threat of terror in the world. And that's was, you know, the creation of the boosting up of TSA and everything else like that. But the new threat that you're going to find in the 2020s is the immunological threats. So immunological stuff is going to be big and your life will just keep getting more uncomfortable until this, this whole vaccination idea comes out into play. So me, I'm personally not I'm not an anti-vaccine guy. I mean, scientifically, if I, if I look at what's there, but it's also my opinion that whether we like it or not, we're going down a path now where this appears to be the rollout. And I'm one of those people that believes in the idea of uh, like the great martial arts philosophies. You know, there's the idea of Aikido that came out from Morihi Yeshiba. He said that, you know, basically to use your, the opponent's force um, against them, you know, rather than to get angry and to, to push this, you know, uh, aggressive attack, just to allow this thing to unfold. What you embrace, you erase. What you resist will persist. Um, there is also a philosophy that Bruce Lee had when he was talking about Jeet Kune Do. He talked about be like my friend water. And instead of being rigid, you're going to be broken like a stick, you know, just be like water and flow around obstacles. We're here on this ride and wherever we're going, we're meant to be here and we're going to get there. But with that being said, if I had an option and they gave me a test and they said, well, you could take an antibody test, I would most certainly opt for the antibody test personally, um, take the more natural route, you know, uh, like Occam's razor, the, the path of least resistance. But, you know, if it comes down to it, you know, all you can do is be the alchemist and transform and transmute whatever, whatever we uh, encounter. Very well said. Um, now, uh, I do want to get to our, our possible future timelines and some positive things that could be over the horizon. Uh, but there's one more conspiracy theory that I want to address. Uh, sure. Trump and QAnon. Um, the internet and Facebook is also rampant with, uh, Trump is going to save the world with Q and, um, they're going to take down the cabal and all the pedophile rings. And that's what they're doing under the cover of the virus. I would just love to get your thoughts on this. Right. Well, I don't, I don't think Q and on is like some sort of evil movement or anything. Uh, you know, most certainly I, th I think that there is a, 
everybody wants to see the hero's journey. They want to see the story of overcoming the, the darkness with the light and the transformation of things in the, in the world. And of course, we, we have to look over in areas like 4chan and 8chan and these particular areas of, uh, where great amounts of forbidden information are disseminated on a regular basis. With Q, uh, in, in the briefings that I've had, what I've been told is basically you're talking about uh, kind of like uh, some wish list patriot sort of ideas of saying, okay, well, here's, here's the puzzle pieces, everybody, and wouldn't it be great if this happened? It'd be great if this happened, if this happened. But I, I personally don't think that we're, we're in the position where we need to look for a savior figure. I think what we need to look at is that we are the saviors. We are the ones that were very unique. Look, everybody watching this is, is so powerful beyond anything you've ever been told. It's just like what Daniel Brinkley was told when he first died and crossed over. When he died and crossed over after leaving a, a very troubling life, he was told by these beings of light, they said, you are a great and mighty, powerful spiritual being with dignity, direction, and purpose. And that's what I want to tell all of you. It doesn't, like, it doesn't matter what gets thrown at you. You are an infinite consciousness. You come from places of unimaginable power and light. So at the end of the day, uh, we aren't necessarily going to get a savior figure that's going to come down and, and jump in and do it for us, but we have to do it ourselves. Um, so before we get into what's going to happen, I just want to add that maybe before we wrap things up today, maybe we could talk about some of the end of the world predictions that people have had and where that will lead to. Yes, definitely. Um, so let's get to this timeline. Um, so do it. Let's start with uh, next year. What, what are some of the uh, major things that you see? Because you have a timeline of 2021, and then it jumps to 2022 to 2023. So what do you see happening next year? Anything major? Okay, so first of all, from what I have been told is that certain countries are going to be slower to open up than others. You know, we're going to continue to see these politics unfold. Obviously, you're going to keep hearing that uh, this thing is mutating. And... Uh, from what I've been told is that in the summer, things will open up a, a little bit. There'll be a door opened up. And that period will also be a period that will be used against us a little bit. From what I've been told, as, as we come around the fall, they'll say, well, you know, you've, you've had more time to go out. Uh, when really, you know, we are building, you know, types of immunity. We are, you know, there's nothing really you can do to stop the progression of this thing in any means, uh, any capacity. Um, the, the doors for countries opening up has more to do with their deficits, trade deficits. Well, if that country did a really good job of shutting everything down until it's, you know, getting to the point where the IMF can slam the hammer down, well then, you know, hey, they can open the door. Uh, so the particular idea is, is that we have this, uh, some countries will still continue to close their doors even into next year. Uh, I, I think, you know, the U.S. is making a great effort, at, you know, put, putting a foot forward and, you know, looking at being very progressive in this. But obviously the summer, the, it, nothing viral-wise can really survive in, in the particular temperatures as well as, like we mentioned, the sun or ultraviolet light destroys this thing on any of the surfaces. Even people that are shedding in the particular period when they're putting this thing out, uh, you know, it can't really survive around those periods. So we will see a resurfacing of it in the fall. Um, uh, from what I've been told is at the end of September into October, that's when the bottom is going to fall out of this thing. And we might find that the POTUS is the uh, last, you know, elected 
president in history, by the way, after these particular things transition uh, through us from what I've also been told. Uh, in this unfolding of what we'll see next is that as we move forward uh, and these politics increase of people talking about, you know, the need to wear masks and, um, you know, where we're headed in that, there will be certain uh, immunize, immunization programs that are introduced. Uh, we will start to unfold a much different world leading up to 2024-25. Um, you're going to find that just what you used to find normal is going to completely change, um, be it shopping and certain social practices. Uh, I've been told that even picking a family, like we talked about with the aftermath of this thing, of uh, you know having to go plan a family and pick it out where you go, our economies are going to change in a major way. There's no going back. I mean, we can. I'm all for positive thinking and love and light and optimism and everything like that. I. That's, that's what I love. I love that kind of thinking. Um, so when I was first told that something like this was going to happen, I've been told about it for years. And as I'm sure you've heard pieces of this similar story like this happening, um, it, it, we're going to see things more and more like drones that have uh, at certain intermittent times of when they're enforcing these ideas, drones with facial recognition. Uh, that are meant to keep people into particular coordinates or uh, looking at the, the movements of people. Um, you're going to find that travel uh, is now going to open up to new scrutiny, but that's okay. We'll get through that. Uh, there's going to be certain sort of immunity passwords or, or passports or biological passports, as we mentioned. Because of the economic changes that you're going to notice, I was also told in particular you would notice that within schooling, um, schooling would change uh, you know, no longer these very heavy, you know, tuitions and fees. The way that we go to school, the way that we learn things, uh, our medicine would change, certain biological breakthroughs. The, the great thing about this is that you might see that, you might say that HIV AIDS was an old form of biotechnology. It was an old eugenics technology that's now outdated. So that, that sort of thing is going to go out the window. Certain cancers and diseases are going to be allowed to be edited out. In fact, because of what you're seeing now, by the end of the decade, you're going to find that life extension technologies are going to become available to you. Um, how that's going to work is that they will use uh, this new type of medicine that is going to become really big in the 2020s is that we're going to see nanomedicine is going to be huge. Uh, and what, what that is, is that if you look at what nanoparticles are, they're about one uh, nanometer thick. Um, nanoparticles, they are these silicon hexagonal structures made of graphene that uh, work on the uh, bioelectrical fields of the body or the geosynchronistic patterns of the body to enter the body into, let's say, the mitochondria of your cell. And these particular things will eventually have the ability to unlock something in the mitochondria of our cell uh, that's very much like today what we call a goblet inside the cell, which, by the way, the extraterrestrials are fascinated with our mitochondria, that we have a very unique mitochondria. Uh, but they'll unlock something called a foglet in your cells. And this foglet will allow you to use the nitrogen and hydrogen from outside of your body so that your body will create its own uh, water and food that you won't even need to eat or drink that will become optional, that your telomeres will be suspended, that uh, life extension will be possible. Uh, all sorts of technological breakthroughs. Um, these nanoparticles, by the way, could be used surreptitiously on us also, uh, as they could be also given to us in the body so that through a distance, 
through uh, 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 different forms of electromagnetic energy and whatnot. They could be used to release certain hormones in the body that create happiness or serotonin, or they could be used to make a person very aggressive uh, or to make you acquiesce or capitulate or, or, or uh, feel um, very much helpless in a particular situation. So they're rather interesting and they can be used for a number of medical purposes, which is really interesting. But most of all, I want to say in the 2020s, you're going to notice that starting next year, that there is going to be a, a lot of patterns of strange weather. You will notice that weather is going to be absolutely um, strange and unpredictable as we see that our polar vortexes are shifting as we see that our spatial coordinates that we're moving through in space um, that are determined on our, our Earth communicating with our star constantly through the speed of light, which is every eight minutes. Um, this is going to be shifting and causing a lot of seismic activity. And many people have not been told. Uh, we have no idea of what's there that essentially that inside of our Earth, we have something called the underwater mantle, which is why there's more there's more water inside the earth than there is even on the surface. And that underwater mantle is building up a pressure. And so you might find that areas even, you know, going from the San Andreas Fault all the way down to the Juan de Fuca Strait, that a lot of these areas are going to be affected by various um, geological changes. But none of this should alarm us. And it's nothing that we have done ourselves. In fact, it's not even being created by the folks on this planet. It just is a natural um, harmonization of the, the planet is going through in a cyclic change and uh, some folks on this planet already know about this and there is emergency preparedness that's going on for it uh, all around the world but there, we're not being told completely about it. Now you have some uh, very interesting things uh, in the timeline of 2026 to 2028. Uh, a couple okay. of I want to touch on psychotropic psychoactive drugs replaced by brainwave simulation yes. and knowledge of extraterrestrials. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so psychotro uh, psychotropic drugs, psychoactive drugs, if you look at stuff that affects the nervous system, psychotropics, um, pharmacologically speaking, like you're talking about your psilocybin magic mushrooms and things like that, or uh, psychoactive when you're talking about um, delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinoids or cannabis or something like that, um, tickling certain receptors. A lot of those things are going to be replaced in the near future. Uh, they're going to be replaced by various means of uh, neurological implants and, and ways to stimulate uh, electrical pathways in the body that you're going to find that your body's almost going to work like software uh, with it. And so that's another thing you're going to find is, uh, and, and again, a lot of people out there are going to be saying, no, this guy's a transhumanist. I'm just telling you what I was told is that essentially uh, as it will be made available to us. I'm not telling you I'm either for or against it, I'm just telling you what will be there, that we'll have means to, to do that. And, and in many ways, you could already do that with binaural beats of uh, manipulating your brain waves. But essentially, what's going to happen, and this is what a lot of very advanced civilizations already do uh, from what I've encountered in people that have been extraterrestrial contactees and, and folks I've talked to, is that essentially there are means to uh, modify the brain waves uh, in the body to you know, give you any kind of effect that you want or any sort of hormonal response and vice versa. In fact, that might even be some of the current 
uh, changes that they're suggesting in our genome editing over the decade. Because if you look at what these science journals, I think it was in um, Futurism, I just read that they were having this discussion that I just saw an article about this, that they would like to turn off the gene expression so that cocaine loses the fun for habitual users. They would no longer be able to even, um, you know, partake in it because it would just be turned off. And uh, the last thing I want to touch on before we get to the prophecies you were talking about uh, is uh, we will have full disclosure of extraterrestrial life uh, in that, the future. That is coming. That will come more. We're going to be making some discoveries in the next few years. Even in the next three years, we're going to have more powerful telescopes. It's not going to happen how people think it's going to happen. We will make the discovery, first of all, where we're going to see stuff um, not to say that it's not beyond these folks to say that we have the threat of extraterrestrials uh, and to do stuff like that. I'm not saying it's beyond them to do that uh, as part of the game. But essentially, we will make discoveries out there and we will have the means trickled down to us as we already are by these big billionaire uh, tech moguls to have the means to travel out in space. Of course, we know we already have anti-gravitics. We have all sorts of... Uh, uh, means to go beyond propulsion rockets and stuff like that. But uh, we will eventually be trickled down more and more that we have that. We'll go out and be the Christopher Columbuses and go out there and discover it. And we'll say, oh my goodness, these are uh, Earth-like planets in the Goldilocks zone near their star and, and, and things like that. And um, of course, there will be uh, much more of that. But when we do have extraterrestrial disclosure, it's going to be when things settle down. And what I mean by that is that you're going to see a number of things happen. Uh, in the years 2029 to 2032, I've been told in the briefings I've had that we're all going to be very, very afraid of a comet or an asteroid coming towards us. And we're going to be afraid that it's going to hit the earth and it's going to destroy us, but it's only going to um, braze up against the skies and it's, a, you know, parts of it will hit us, you know, basically come through. Um, which is which is rather interesting that that's going to come through. But by the 2030s, things are going to be interesting. Uh, and what's interesting to me about this is that many of you have seen the uh, that book by Dean Coots, uh, where he talked about in '81 the Wuhan 400 virus. Um, and the uh, what was that book called? The Eyes of Darkness. Uh, yeah, Eyes of Darkness or Edge of Darkness, something like that. Yeah. Now that book was out, but then Sylvia Brown put out her End of Times. Uh, yeah, yeah I saw that one too. She made a, uh, an amazing, amazing prediction in 1981. Or no, no, she was 2008. Coots was two, uh, 1981. So right. he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, so he was a while ago. He was 39 years ago. Um, so Sylvia Brown said in 2008 that there would be a pneumonia-like virus that would start sweeping the planet in 2008. And that's rather fascinating that she said that. She said it would disappear after a year. Of course, that makes sense because we'd have vaccinations in place continually that we'd have to roll out. But that she said it would resurface one more time 10 years later. Now, that corresponds perfectly from what I've been told. And uh, that would be the one last final change. So by 2030, we'll be, have done, we'll be done that. There will be some different wars and changes and can, different things coming up in this next 10-year period, of course, that we know we're going to go through. But then in the 2030s onwards, we're on a totally different stretch because by then we have this new genome. We're now the, the, the new human being, humans 3.0, whatever you want to call us. 
and we're moving through the 2030s, ultimately we want to get up to 2045, 2050, because that's when things are going to get super futuristic, super advanced. We're going to go beyond anything that the Atlanteans went through, the ancient Egyptians went through. Uh, we, are, we are being guided. We're being led in this area. Um, you know, this is an area where we are going to be aware of every single cell in our body, uh, unlocking and decoding reality, um, hyper-realizations and changes. I believe we're going to move past our technological training wheels to become these uh, consciously evolved, spiritually, philosophically, and 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 more advanced in many different ways than we've ever seen before. And there is a huge transition that is taking place, and you will witness uh, in those particular periods, but the golden the golden age era that is the marker for everybody here is by 2045. And by the way, I want to say in the future, um, one of the things that you can see is benefits that will happen because of this economic change that will take place. The first stage right now is a lot of people are going to be upset in this fall period. Uh, there's an election coming up that that brings up emotions. Uh, financial changes come up. So people are going to be pissed off because uh, there, there is going to be a huge changeover. Let's say if your current money is being devaluated or changed based on your resources, your GDP, your gross domestic product, uh, wealth is being transferred over, supply lines are changing. That always brings up a lot of um, animosity. That's why there's been preparations for some time. You might say that there, let's just say hypothetically that that perhaps this is why there's been such a push to sort of limit the Second Amendment of not because people worried about, uh, you know, not because the military is worried, but essentially so people don't destroy each other um, in a giant transition to this. Why uh, there perhaps is a push to uh, make it so recreational substances that relax you are made more easily available. Um, there's certain means that take place and there's certain emergency infrastructure planning that would be taken place that has been put in ahead of time because of this. So again, remember that fall period, you know, enjoy the summer, but you know, prepare peacefully to transition through that period of the fall and big, big cities are going to be cr absolutely crazy. So some of that emergency infrastructure planning might look like things like um, power being restricted for curfews and stuff like that for temporary periods in order to, for an adjustment period to take place. But ultimately when an economy is reset like that, first of all, what's going to happen is the petrodollar is going to change with Saudi and everything like that. So what will happen is that that will open up uh, cleaner energy sources once the fossil fuel economy is uh, replaced. I'm not saying it's going to disappear overnight, but I'm saying that that will transition. Ultimately, we will move to a society where you will no longer require currency or cash to live. Think about it. If you have um, replicator technology, which uh, I've I've talked to a scientist. I don't know if he wants me to mention his name here uh, based on the subject matter, uh, but he's a friend of ours that a scientist friend of mine who's working on the algorithms for uh, replicator techno technology, think about this, and you could have like a microwave or oven-like device in your living room or your kitchen that you could basically reproduce different foods, um, just like a 3D printer. And we know already we have, uh, the, in the near future, you're going to have lab-grown meats that um, can be sustainable and won't rot or go bad because they are crossed with, with certain parts of marine animals that are 
uh, you know, able to sustain themselves longer. Well, you're going to have the ability to have this molecular reconstruction of things. This is very interesting. But you're also going to have dematerializers of waste. We're going to have means to clean up our oceans with uh, nanoparticles and ways of identifying certain particular areas. So with this, you're not going to really need um, too much in the future because you're going to have whatever you want provided for you moving into a very technologically and spiritually advanced civilization. But um, with that being said, there are going to be some growing pains. There's going to be a lot of great things that are going to happen. There's going to be some challenges. There's going to be all sorts of stuff. But ultimately, I see big, happy changes, and we will overcome all that is being thrown at us. Very well said. Um, now, you know, all that being said, um, I, I can see my chat room now. Um, there, there's some mixed feelings going on. Um, you know, I, I see that some of them are thinking, oh, you're, you're agreeing with this depopulation. You're thinking it's a good oh, I'm, But that's not this the, is the thing at all. You're just relaying information. That Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what people got to realize is that um, for me, I get, I get my information from a number of different sources. Now, at the end of the day, a lot of people out there, they might want something to be watered down or they might want to be spoon fed something different. For me, I don't want to, I don't want to believe something. I want to know. I want to know what's coming and I want to face it head on. And I want to use good philosophy uh, to transmute it, whatever it is. So if, if people are coming to me and saying things, people that are in extraordinary positions, along with other lines I'm looking at, I want to see, hey, if that's coming up, what can we do to, to look at it from another angle? Uh, instead of just going down one little rabbit hole and saying, okay, I'm going to hide behind a certain belief system. So I want people to know that I'm not the one doing this. This is not, don't persecute the messenger. I'm just telling you what it is that uh, has been told to me. And also, I believe there's nothing wrong with looking at the most positive side of whatever's happening is possible. Um, I think that we even have the power to change our own timeline with positivity, with positive thinking, with positive actions. So, um, you know, I think that, you know, there, there is possibilities for a great future and we can make it that way. Um, now, you mentioned end of the world predictions. Um, talk about that. Okay, so let's talk about where people talk about um, a lot of what you're seeing now, which has no doubt, I mean, you can look at it from what we call biblical hermeneutics, and you can look in the Bible and what we call the book of Revelation, uh, or better, it's known as the Apocalypse, according to St. John, the book of Apocalypse. Well, this book was tossed out of the Bible over a dozen times. When you go back to 325 CE and you go back and look at the Eucumenical Council uh, or the Council of Nicaea, as we call it, uh, that this book was never considered a Christian book, uh, the book of Revelations. In fact, when we look at the book itself, uh, if, if you look at the church fathers, like even Erasmus or Martin Luther, they said that John never wrote this thing. They were absolutely, um, you know, upset by that, that people would say, say this. There was a, something called the Johannian theory or the Johannian theory. And in this book, it talks about having a mark that you would need to buy, sell, or trade. Uh, and of course, they, they associate it with what they call the mark of the beast, and uh, we have talks of what we call an antichrist, okay? So uh, we're going to discuss what those terms are. But first of all, let's look at this book a little further and where it comes from. So if it's not a Christian book, why was it so important 
that it was put in the Bible and where did it come from? Why does it have very staunch warnings in it that sound like the time period that we're going through? And what does it say will happen? Well, this book, according to Manley Palmer Hall, which I, great, I believe was the, the greatest esoteric historian we have ever seen um, out of his little uh, school in Las Feliz, California, he uh, not only wrote about this book uh, in uh, an area of a book that he has that's available from PRS called The Apocalypse According to St. John, but uh, a friends of mine who have had private sit-downs with him, I know what his views about the book were and where it came from. It came from these little monks that uh, were in an area out in the Aegean Sea, out in Greece. It's a very choppy area. These monks were called the Phrygians. And uh, what's really interesting about this is that we're told that John was from Patmos, John, who we believe from the Bible that wrote this book. Well, very interestingly enough, these monks wore this little red cap that looked like a Papa Smurf hat. And this Papa Smurf hat that they wore, they, it was called a Phrygian cap crown or the Liberty cap, just like the Liberty Bell. This is why the sons of the American Revolution waved the Liberty cap on their pole, or there's a, a famous magic mushroom known as the Psilocybin Semilanciata Liberty cap. Okay, so if you wore this cap, you got freedom over in Europe. It was a very important cap. Well, these folks that were living on this island, they had uh, two gods that they served. One god's name was Attis, who we know later became known as Adonis. And the other god they served was known as Ion. Now, Ion is very significant because, uh, Chris, have you ever heard of someone say, uh, have they ever said to you, you know, have you ever heard of an ionic air filter or an ionic water filter? Yeah. Yeah, of course. So Ion is the god of the air and electricity. Okay, so it rules from above. Well, Ion is also where when we take this and break it down, in the Latin, the I is the same as a J. If you want a J, you just add a little squiggly line on it. So it becomes J-O-N. It's the Anglo-Saxon John. John of Patmos is actually Ion, a god of the air that was ruling over them in electricity. What's very interesting about this is that even if you look in the biblical stories, the biblical admonition, it says, you fight not against flesh and blood, but against the cosmocraterus, cosmocraterus, which is principalities and powers, what says of darkness in higher places. If you look at the Atlantis story, according to the Theosophists, you go back to Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, Look at uh, Madame Blavatsky and all those sorts of folks. They were always talking about how Atlantis was ruled over by King Tetvahat, the invisible dragon king of the air that ruled over them. Well, the Revelation story, the, one of the greatest secrets is that it is the Atlantis story. Okay? So in Revelation, it's talking about the seven hills of Rome. That was later Romanized. We, we see in Rome, Vaticanus Hill, Capitolina Hill, Palantina Hill, all the hills of Rome. Well, there's the seven great cities of Atlantis when you broke it up. We see the various predictions of, of what's going to take place. It's an ancient admonishment of where we're headed, that we're headed down this particular path of what we could be going through and what's going to happen. But even if you go by that story, it says that the powers that would try to run the show in that particular story they wouldn't succeed because the beings, whether you want to call them extraterrestrials or angels, which comes from the Greek angelos, 
meaning messengers, these beings that would come and this new force, it would um, eventually come in with the, the people moving beyond that. So it was just a transitory state for humanity as they were going through it. So in the story, though, too, we see the term that was used. It was antichrist. So the term anti there is not anti to be against or um, uh, going against something. Like we would say, I'm anti this or anti that. Um, the anti that you see there means to replace something. So what we see when we look at the transition of the cycle that we're in, and you can see this in the Egyptian writings and more uh, with the Kefir and where, where we're moving in the transitions of the particular cycles. But if you look at what you'd see, well, let's say Jesus. Jesus is in the cycle of Pisces. Remember, Jesus said, I'm going to be with you to the end of the aeon, which is the end of the age. He was Pisces in his symbology because he was multiplying two fish and encountered two fishermen. So if we move backwards, where do we move? We're moving into the age of Aquarius. So Aquarius, what do we see with that? We see with Aquarius, go into Luke 22.10 of your Bible. In Luke 22.10, the disciples are saying, Master, Master, where are you going to be at the Last Supper? He says, meet me at the house. And a house is an astrological term. Meet me at the house with the man with the water pitcher. And what that is, is that Aquarius is bringing the water of springs. So the Aquarian age, again, being the man with the water pitcher, you might see that the religions of our world, which will now come together, they're going to change just like the Aquarian philosophies and ideas of the, that we're seeing that are manifesting forward, that you might see that there will be an effort in the future to modernize the Vatican. You will see that there is a new sort of um, a savior, you might say, figure that might eventually come along that be uh, positioned against us that will clean up the world's water supplies. Maybe they will die and have 12 scientists or 12 helpers like that that have followed them, just like the other folks that we see that are always born around a winter solstice, that are always rolled out by the mystery schools on our planet, that are working behind the scenes, that maybe he'll be resurrected with the right peptides and ways that we can now bring the brain back. Um, maybe there will be uh, a new means that this comes, that this might be, who knows, might have a, a technocratical means. But something is transitioning. Something is happening on a greater wavelength, and perhaps we were warned about it a very long time ago. Now, uh, in closing tonight, what can we tell people, not only to prepare, but, but what can they do? Um, you know, most people think, you know, we're just one person, we can't do anything against this huge machine that steers humanity. How could we? Um, but I believe that collectively there's a lot we can do. So, so what are your thoughts on um, what we can do to make this time easier and uh, a better transition? Well, first of all, thank you for asking that question. And thank you for having me today, Chris. It's been a lot of fun talking to you and getting this opportunity to share with everyone. I want to tell everyone that's watching this on the other side of the screen that you're not alone and you've never been alone no matter how scary things might look on the news. I always remember back to what Mr. Rogers or Fred Rogers said. He said that when he was growing up and his mother would be sitting with him and he'd see something scary on the news, she would always tell him, look for the helpers. Look for the helpers because you will see them and you will see that we've never been alone. And this time period that we're going through has this great shifting of consciousness, whether you want to call it a quarantine, a self-isolation, or just utter insanity being stuck in the house with someone, 
um, perhaps if you were stuck in the house with me, I'm sure you'd go crazy. But uh, I want to say that with, with that, use it for the evolution of your own consciousness by taking an introspective journey within yourself. Do the things that you've been putting off. Evolve yourself. Look at this period as a great shifting of consciousness. A lot of people, they want to get into this, this fear-based mode and they want to just give up and they want to throw their hands in the air or believe that we've been totally taken over by evil and um, that's not it. I just don't think that no matter what is thrown at us, I, I don't think that it will destroy us because we come from these incredible places. And I'm telling you, if you've ever met a person that's had a near-death experience or you've ever talked to someone who has had an out-of-body experience, which you can all do very easily for yourself, why not use this time to do epigenetic sort of experiments with yourself, like a Dr. Bruce Lipton, um, Joe Dispenza sort of thing, once a day to meditate and focus on healing yourself? Or why don't you try astral projection? Go look up the work of uh, William Bullman who's a friend of ours, or Robert Bruce, get Astral Dynamics, get um, Adventures of the Body, get those books and try that out. Why not go see for yourself that we live in this incredible um, multi-dimensional multiverse and we are so incredibly diverse and amazing beings that it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Um, it's like when I was talking to Daniel about this, he's like, I'll, I've been dead four times and raised myself from the dead, he says, and I'll raise myself from this. And he says, just bring it on. He says, I'll take it. So I'm going to say to all of you, the same is true uh, as we evolve through this period. Very well said. And uh, I just want to reiterate, you're a messenger with this. You're relaying information that, that you've had and just trying to make the it come across in uh, our future seem to be as positive as possible, uh, looking yes. at the brightest side of that we can, because I believe that's the best thing we can do right now is uh, exude positivity so it can manifest. Um, yes, um, that, that's it. That's my whole point of sharing this is that I want to share it so that I, I speak with the caveat that I hope for the more dire things and I'm wrong of what I've been told, but I'm sharing that with the, the, the fact that this is what has been revealed to me as the blueprint and where we're going and how we're going to get through it and transcend through it and that we have an incredibly bright, positive future ahead uh, that, you know, that any of these dark patches that we might be going through that we will transition through them. And that's the whole point of me sharing this today. I, I would love to tell you that you can Netflix and chill for two weeks and you can go share, uh, you know, a couple of posts in, in one area and that it, will, that it will go away. But, you know, growing is hard work and we're here to grow and evolve. And that's what we came to do. That's why we came to this planet at this time. And uh, there's nothing to be afraid of. We will get through this. And uh, each and every single one of you is more powerful than you could ever believe. Johnny, thank you so much for coming on tonight, and I am looking forward to hearing your presentation at the upcoming Forbidden Knowledge News Con. Uh, can you give us a little uh, snippet or preview of what you'll be talking about? Oh, Chris, thank you so much. I, I definitely am looking forward to sharing about not only various extraterrestrial civilizations, all sorts of uh, secrets and biology and universes and ancient civilizations and subterranean civilizations and, and things that we haven't explored before, but also uh, different portals and, and ways we can access the universe, which I'm, I'm very much looking forward to sharing with you and, and everybody out there when they come check out the online conference. But I also want to mention really quickly, if I can, 
that I am uh, now uh, working with some friends on an initiative called Triumviri. I'm working with uh, Harry Challenger, who you just had on the show, and uh, our friend J.P. Hegg, and we're talking about uh, the future of human and extraterrestrial um, diplomatic relations and the evolution of where that's going so we can have uh, greater solutions for uh, peaceful resolutions in the future and uh, where that might head. So most certainly please keep an eye out for that and so much more. Awesome stuff. Johnny, thank you again and uh, I will be talking to you again soon. Thank you so much, Chris. Have a great night.